0: We've been, for those who haven't been with us, and and, uh, I don't know what we've done, if we've got the screen up there, what are we doing? But uh, we're we're doing a a series on next steps. Now, I I believe there is a next steps actually program. It's not a word that I invented, obviously. Uh, But when we talk about next steps, we're talking about an organic discipleship type thought. In other words, you know, what's the next step that I should take? Or, or, or my friend or my, my husband or my wife or my child. What's the next step they should take? You know, what you, you know every journey starts with just a next step. And you know, sometimes we want to see the end of the journey. But uh, in fact, I think sometimes I wouldn't run, I'm glad that I don't know what the journey entails. <laughs> I might not go there. But uh, what we do, have to do is take the next step. And so we've been thinking about some next steps. And I think probably the greatest step that we have to take in life and have to learn to take and we have to teach people to take, and I would say would be the one step. Well, there's many steps, obviously. It's hard to just isolate one. But I think if there's something that has helped me more than anything else in ministry, when I think about it, you know, uh, when I say, you know, what, what has made you stand when others haven't stood? You know what, what is, what is, uh, you know, what makes you go out and plant churches when most people are, you know, one's enough? Yeah, well, because being stupid is one reason why I do it, but <laughs> that helps. Uh, but, you know, I would say it's just simply one thing, faith. I believe the greatest single thing I've learned is that God responds to faith. And with, you know, we know that without faith, we can't please God. But I know that God responds to it. He loves for us to believe and trust in Him. I mean, there's, I think there's no greater honor to God, probably apart from worship or greater worship, than just faith, having faith in God. You know, believing in God. This morning we talked about, and I, I will repeat what I said this morning, because uh, I've been just reflecting on this one thought of Israel when they were delivered from Egypt, you know, one of the great exoduses in their history. And of course, we know where Jesus Christ's coming was another great exodus, but we believe that you know, he's coming back again. There's going to be another great exodus again, where God's going to deliver his people. We have a, you know, we have a future and a hope and expect, expectation. But one of the things that, uh, that uh, we talked about this morning was the glory cloud or the Shekinah glory, if we were Hebrew theologians, we'd call it. But, you know, it made Israel special. Because when they saw that glory cloud above their temple, above their tabernacle, I should say, when they saw the glory cloud, they realized, hey, God is here. I mean, all the other foreign gods hoped God was here. But they actually could see God there. How awesome would that be? where is God today right where he should be pillar fire by night cloud by day God's here I mean they realized that that you know God had come down from heaven and he was living with the people what, what an amazing thought about God because you know faith is in, is about in the person of God when we talk about the glory cloud or the Shekinah glory it just simply means. Well, it's a number of things it means, but two primary things I think it means, I would say. Number one, it means it's the presence of God. You know, the Shekinah glory is the presence of God. But the second thing, it's not only the presence of God, it's the person of God. Because you know, we, we, sometimes we think of God as being present. Well, there's, you know, that we, we felt God at it, but, but no, his person was here. And to, and to Israel, it meant that, that God decided to come. The glory, the Shekinah glory for Israel was that God would come down and he would actually want to be with his people on that journey through the wilderness. He wanted to feel their hurts, be with them in their hurts. He wanted to comfort them. You know, it, it was his presence, you know, and, and I think sometimes we, we don't realize how I'm looking for the right word to say you know how God how God wants to be with us and of course when Jesus Christ came you know there's the Messiah they they knew that the God the glory had come back to Israel they expected a lot of things from Jesus they expected him to bring a big deliverance They were hoping that, that of course he'd take them from Roman rule and deliver them. That have a max, and that have you know the greatest battle and win and everything be restored. Well, they've only been about two thousand years too early, so far, and a few more to go. But you, but Jesus. No wonder Paul could trust God. No wonder Peter could trust God when, when you know because. Jesus said he said I'm going to go and that gave them a shock. I know if you were walking with God and talking with God and handling God and touching God every day and all of a sudden God says well I'm going guys and you think don't leave me with these guys. I mean they still need a bit more work. But he said, don't worry. He said, when I go, he said, another's going to come, a comforter's going to come. And when his comforter's coming, he said, you're going to know him because he's exactly like me. And so with the day of Pentecost put up, Peter goes, I know, I know what's going on. That's a first for him. He said, I know, this is is the prophet Joel coming to pass, you you know, God with us again. You know, God, and, and, and I mean, he gets out there and the next day he goes in the temple sees a blind, a, a lame man, then says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I they. You know, in, in, in Jesus' name, rise and walk. You know, and everyone's saying, you know, what, what happened? He said, it's faith in his name. You know, because he realized that you know, this, this was God, that the Shekinah glory of Pentecost, the same glory that when we get baptized, is with us today. You know, if we can just grab our faith... And, and realize that God wants to heal us. Because He is health. Anything that is not of health is an enemy of God. Okay? Anything that is of sin is not of God. You know, you know, God it, it should be easy for us for heal. Because you know, God wants to deliver us from our issues. Yeah. You know, so the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, the nature of God, and of course the emotions of God there. And one thing I think that the shine of glory meant—the big thing—is that He brought a unity. It was God. He was amongst His people. You know, He was at one with His people. God was no longer up there, but He's with and in. And there's there's a unity. You know. Uh, Jesus prayed the prayer. He said that he said, I pray that they would be one like you and I are one. When we get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, there's a unity that connects us with God. You know, if, if we can get on to, you know, we've got if we can meditate and just dream about the wonder of God, you know, our lives will change. You know, faith is that connection point between that which we see and that which we don't see. Having faith in God. We trust God. God is who He says He is. You know, God will heal. His promises are yes and amen. He doesn't change. God wants to heal you tonight. God wants to set you to free, free tonight. You know, God says this is through faith and patience you inherit the promises of God. You know, I said I like the first part of that. but verse is through faith we inherit the promises of God. It's the other one that I struggle with, and probably you do too. It's the waiting. It's the believing. How long have you been praying, Tess? How many years have you been? How many expenses? How many altar calls have you been on? But last week was your season. 21 days ago, I should say, was your season. God came down and visited you and said, hey, you know, it, it's Tess's turn. You know, we, you know, I believe most people, you know. I, I had a lot to do in the earlier days of C.O.C. in the first uh, 20 years, anyhow, um, rather than the last 20 years. But the first 20 years of 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 the pastors going out, training them and teaching them and sending them out, and I used to always, you know, the pastors always get out and they'd say, they get out, so I'm going to build a church of a thousand people. Well, when they first started saying that, there's only three churches in Australia that had a thousand people, so they're going to put themselves into three out of how many churches? Percentage? But they were so confident because they'd read the faith book. I mean, they, they listened to the, to the cassettes. They knew Kenneth Hagin off by heart. You know, they, they, they'd heard all about it. And so they'd go out there and within about 12 months, their story would be different. Well, if I can just survive, I'd be happy. You know, if, if I get 30 people, I'd be happy. So, you know, what happened to the thousand? You know, know, see, it's, you know, we're all confident to the reality comes in, isn't it? You know, there's something about the ride. I I remember once, um, as you know, I come from a farm, so I've got a lot of farming stories. But uh, I remember on the farm one day, uh, we had one of the young guys, cousins are over and he said, uh, let's jump on the horse and ride him bareback, both of us. Now, I had never thought that through too much, but I said, yeah, let's do it. In the back of my head, I knew my dad would not be pleased if he caught us. But heck, we're down the back paddock. He'll never find out. He never did find out. But we did find out. Because we jumped on the horse, he in the front, me in the back. And the horse, because horses are smart, they know exactly what to do. They don't know, they, I don't know what training school they go to, but the horse just bolted for the first barbed wire fence. He bowled for the barbed wire fence and he propped right, you know, two feet from the fence. He propped and we didn't. We went straight over the barbed wire fence into the next paddock and landed down there. I mean, the journey was fun, but the landing got so good. And I have found that's a bit like faith. The journey can be really fun. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and build a church. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and get healed. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and join a prophecy. church. You know, but it's a landing sometimes. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, we do stupid things. I remember I was at boarding school and uh, first semester, I never did it another semester, but I, I took on stupidly without thinking about it so that you have to do a sport because if you're in boys' boarding school, you've got to keep them occupied so they don't get into trouble. So sport is a big thing. So I took up boxing. Now, I don't know why. Maybe I hadn't seen a box on TV. And then the first match come up. And some guy that would give me a hard time I put my hand up to fight him in the ring. Well, two rounds later, they call it off by technical knockout because there's too much blood in the ring and it was all mine. Yeah. And it hurt. Now, I don't know why, but when you're in a sparring practice, it doesn't hurt. But the reality of the fight is it hurts. I mean, it really hurts. You know? and, um, and then for the next two weeks, it hurt even more because wherever I got hit in the mouth, you know, uh, I got blood blisters, I mean, uh, blood ulcers, mouth ulcers there as well. So, I mean, you know, it just didn't last for you the humiliation of that one you know, five minute fight. It, it, it lasted for another two weeks. I'm going to get prayer counseling later. You know, we, you, know, it's, you know, you read and say, fight the good fight of faith. You know, it's so easy to, you actually have to get in the fight. Yeah, and I think we've got to learn how to fight the fight of faith. Yeah, you know, we've got to learn the nature of it. You know, and, and I've got to admit, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's not easy. You know, it, it's, it's good to say, you know, God supplies all my needs, quote the verse there, and I'm going to give till it hurts. And you give everything... And then, where's the money? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, we live by, we've, we've lived by faith the first uh, few years of ministry. We, uh, there's plenty of times, we, we ne- Lindsay and I never took a job in Bundaberg. We just built a church, we knew, knew no one. Started a church on a Sunday night there, got uh, 20 people saved, and thought we'd having a revival. We thought we'd set the city on a fire. Then we found out about a month later we had to go back and get more matches. But you know, I realised. But something you know. But but I remember the thing that changed my life was this thing called faith. Faith is that ability to hear from God. And and you know, because I find the one thing about faith is this: faith always speaks. The problem is, so does doubt. So does fear. So does insecurity. And and you know I, I would I remember distinctly that I would have these emotional high roller coaster rides in my early ministry, and you know we'd go down to the seminar and of course Clark Taylor would stand up there and talk about faith, you know and we'd get stirred up and say I'm going to believe it, and you know while you're in the conference with Clark Taylor talking to you you can take the world on, but I'd we'd drive the four hour journey back to Bundaberg and we'd get to the outskirts of the town. And suddenly the town would begin to speak to you. Literally, it would speak to you. You start to feel insecure. You feel inferior. The doubts would come. The fears would come. And 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 all the things that happened would would come back in remembrance as you you drove through. And you realize that you know that something was speaking to you. You know, and it took me. It took me quite a while. It took me about four years before I could really understand. You know that. And it define different things speaking speak to you, because I just took that as being me. So I didn't really understand the spirit world really well, because, heck, we were farmers. We didn't have occult lessons at night. We didn't have spiritual lessons at night. We were farmers. Like you know, farmers. You know, we just put the wheat in the right season, plant it. It grows. If if you have a drought, well, then just put it in next year. It's quite logical. But the spirit world is different. It's an invisible world. It's a world that you can't see. It's a world, it, it's, it's a world that works in times and seasons and everything else, but, but it's just different. And, you know, and it's unseen, so, so you can't get a handle on it. I found it extremely hard to get a handle on, on faith. But I realized that, because when I first started out ministering, it was in the good old days when, you know, businesses stopped at, Twelve o'clock on Saturday. There's no sport on Sunday. And a good pastor went around and visited all the ladies because none of the ladies worked. And that's what a good pastor did. So you'd go around and you'd do all the partial visitations during the week. You'd go and visit Mrs. So and So and visit So and So, and they'd get Mr. So and So to come to church. Yeah, and then, so that was that was a job. So we had all these So and So's church. No. Um, <laughs> But I realised that it went, after a while that I'd go to different houses, and it wouldn't happen in every house, but some houses would speak to me, I'd get different thoughts. And for a while I'd take ownership of those thoughts. Then I realised that, oh, these thoughts are not me. That's not how I think. And I realised that the spirits dwelling in different houses that they'd cultivate things. And, you know, it didn't matter what they said to me, something else was speaking to them. Yeah, a lot of people never, ever, ever change because they've never discerned the spirits that speak into their life. And my question to you tonight about the next step is, what speaks to you most? When you walk out of here, this room, and you, go, and you walk through your front door, what's going to speak to you? I guarantee you, if you're in a battle, that there'll be some emotion, there'll be some thought, and it'll dominate you. But it will be so familiar. Because it's always been there for a long time. It's so familiar that you do not bother to recognize it. You just think it's a uh, you. But it's a familiar spirit that's lodged into your thoughts, and it keeps on talking to you, and it's talking to. You. But you'll know it because it'll be contrary to the Word of God. I mean, right. It'll be contrary to yeah. faith living. It will speak words of doubt, words of fear. It'll words of criticism, the words of insecurity, you know, and on and we go. Yeah. But if you, you know, and and what we, what we've got to do is, uh, I think Bree mentioned it this morning, you know. We've got to make a decision at this point in our life. What voices we were going to partner with in life? What spirit is going to take control of me? What spirit will I listen to? What spirit will encourage me? Because doubt will encourage you. I'm not going to do that. I'd never do that. That's stupid. You know, you, you can listen to the the voices. Yeah, you know, and the voice. You know, the voices are so familiar. They come down through generations. You know, spirits come through your children. Your children, should, and, and you can, you know, and, you'll, and you'll see it. You'll say, that's exactly how my grandmother spoke. And, and, and you'll, you know, sometimes I hear myself speak, and it scares me because it's my brother speaking. And I'm saying, where did that come from? You know, and, and you realize that you know there, there's voices that come from the past, and you know, and we've got to learn to deal with these things. You know, and the only way you can deal with them is by by resisting them and speaking to them, because faith must speak. Yeah. You know, you either allow doubt to speak to you, or you speak to doubt. That's you know, when when Jesus was in the boat. You know, the storm was speaking to all the disciples there and and they're all feared and scared. And, and, and they woke up Jesus and said, Don't you care? I mean, what a stupid thing to say to God. Don't you care? Like it's wonder Jesus just didn't throw him out the boat. But he did care, that's why he didn't throw him out the boat. He said, You know, don't you care? And and you know, but you know, because the wind was speaking to them you know their, their experiences they, these were hardened fishermen most of them you know they knew immediately you know their experience was speaking to them but Jesus didn't listen to that you know he spoke to the wind and told said peace be still so the question is you know do we allow what do we allow to speak to us and what do we speak to faith is about you know, faith speaks with the heart man believes in the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We've got to speak to our mountains. If you've got pain in your body, and pain's always a difficult one, because pain doesn't let up, does it? Pain constantly speaks to you. You know, you feel the pain, it constantly speaks to you, then your imagination starts to work and you think, Will I ever be different? And then you start to think of yourself dying. Like when I get a cold, I don't get a cold, I die. Right, I'm on the deathbed. Honey, this is it. Have you got the will made out? (laughs) I'm on my last legs, you know. I I, I mean, maybe a slight exaggeration, but those thoughts go through your mind. I mean, am I the only person that ever gets these things? Okay, I'm the only person who's honest in this room. I can see that. But see, what do we, you know, it says voices speak to us and what we allow us to meditate upon because I've learned this too whatever you meditate upon grows what you speak will s- stop what you meditate upon grows you know if we're going to take the next steps there's certain people that after a while you've been with them well and you say hey your next step is to stop speaking this I don't ever want to hear this again The best thing I could do and someone could do to me is say, Peter, I don't want to hear you say that ever, ever, ever again. Now, that's what a good wife does for you. That's what a good husband does to you. That's what good parents do. That's what good friends do. Good friends just say, you can't say that. You know, it's not having a positive confession. It's, it's, It's more than that. It's a heartfelt thing where you say, hey, I will not allow those voices to speak to me any longer. I will cut them. I will fight them till they die. I might lose this battle today, but I'll get up and tomorrow will be a new day. His mercy has been new. And I'll get up tomorrow and I'll have another fight with it. I'll have another fight the next day. I'll have another fight the next day. I might lose. It doesn't matter how many times I lose. A just man, the Bible says, will fall seven times. But the key is he gets up on the eighth. How many failures does it take you before you quit? Guarantee one thing: the devil knows exactly how many failures it'll take for you and me. I'm Gary. He's got a, you worked out, because you know he's got no power except a roaring voice. That's the only power. He, he's only you know he can't make you. The only power he has is to continue to speak into your mind. What are we allowed to? But faith will speak, but so does doubt. I encourage us to take a as we close tonight just one thought let's let's make it our next step what speaks to me stand this week and, and start a spiritual journey and say hey what's speaking to me sometimes it's just imagination some people escape in the imagination they dream they're going to do things that they'll never do they don't really want to do but they just dream it You know, useless imaginations, vain imaginations. Some things are not wrong, I mean, as in sinful wrong, but they're wrong. Let's take control of our imaginations this week and let's speak to imaginations. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us answers for life. We pray, Lord, that you'd speak into our heart and to our minds that we would live differently. We'd live victoriously. Father, we'd rise up and see your kingdom established in our lives and our families and those around about us. We pray for that tonight in Jesus' name. With every eye closed and every head bowed, let me ask one question. Do you know Jesus Christ personally as a Savior? You know, Unless you have Jesus on the inside, then you won't have his voice speaking to you. You know, but God wants to come on the inside. It's called being born again. He wants to be in you and with you so he can speak to you. If you've never been born again, put your hand up right now and say, Peter, pray for me tonight. I want to know Jesus. I want to know he's my saviour. I want to know he's my helper. I want to know that if I die, I'd go to heaven. Just raise your hand quickly. We won't linger this, but I'll give you opportunity. If you want to know more, come and talk to one of us in the front here. We'd love to share with you. The second thing I'd like to say, hey, tonight, Peter, you were speaking to me. That as you were speaking, I recognized voices that I didn't realize were tormenting me and holding me back. If that's you, just put your hand up and I'll pray for you right now in your seat. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I've got that voice. I've got that issue. I want to break it tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. For every person who's raised their hand, I believe right now that that will be broken of their life. Father, we speak to the spirit life. We command it to cease. And we believe for the Holy Spirit and revelation to flow in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.